This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. Welcome everyone to today's episode. While it has been delightful to see the growing interest in meaning and meaningful experiences in sport and physical activity, our research efforts in this field are still at the fairly early stages. A lot of work remains to be done on how to best capture meaning in movement activities, both conceptually as well as in our empirical research. At the same time, research in meaning in life and meaningful work has flourished, and it provides us a rich resource to draw upon. Today, I'm delighted to discuss with a philosopher, researcher, and author who has made significant contribution to understanding meaning in life and meaningful work and who can thus provide a lot of inspiration for us to think about and explore meaning in sport and physical activity. Dr. Frank Martela is university lecturer at Aalto University in Finland and author of the recent book, A Wonderful Life, Insights on Finding a Meaningful Existence. In the first part of our conversation, we will explore the mysteries of meaning in life and what it might look like in people's lives in our contemporary secular societies. Welcome to the podcast, Frank. I've been very much looking forward to our conversation. Thanks. Great to be here. Yes. We met before the pandemic. I think it was 2019 in the uh, International Meaning Conference in London, organized by Joel Voss. And you've been very productive since. So I've been keeping up reading all the all the exciting work you do, including your book on meaning in life, but also these contributions of meaning in meaning in work and meaningful work. But so I'll start with a personal question. So your research is not about sport and physical activity, but in thinking of these things, and it also takes some self-reflection, I'd love to hear just what is your personal relationship with sport, movement, physical activity, and some initial thoughts. How can it, how can these things contribute to this sense of meaningful life? Uh, yeah, I think that I mostly enjoy team sports. So I've been like playing football for most of my life. I think I started in a team when I was, I think, six or seven years old and played most of my youth. I played in some team. And now that I've been like adult, I've been playing in, you know, this like very low division team. So the fifth division in Finland is the, is the kind of like the, where our team is currently playing. But the, yeah, so of my 40 years of existence, I think I played in a football team, I think some like 30 of them or something like that. So most of my life I've been playing football in some team. I never like, you know, on two professional levels. So even even when I was young, I didn't play in the, you know, the very, very lot. These teams that were like aiming to be best in Finland or anything like that, but it was more more of a hobby already at that point. 
and it has remained something like a hobby since, since then. And another sport is this floorball, which is something which is quite big in Finland, Sweden, and relatively popular also in like Switzerland, Switzerland and Czech Republic, but which is not played much outside of that, these countries. So it's a bit like like ice hockey without the ice. So like five players on a field and with these sticks, you're and sticks and ball, you're like playing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. That's probably like my so team sports. I I always somehow enjoyed much more that than like you know doing anything solo. Mm-hmm. And to say that football has stayed with you for the majority of your life, so there is something meaningful in football that attracts you to keep continuing to play can you reflect on this a little bit uh yeah i guess like there's many factors so of course like i said i like team sports much more than like you know solo sports so in that sense one thing is the team you know at, at both this floorball team and the football team i think like both of them I've, i've chosen because you know because of the people so the floorball team is actually something that we my me and my friend we I, we founded the team when i was like 15 or 16 so like you know they, they are my like school friends and high school friends and friends since, since then who are like playing the same team so i guess like the community around that is like a, one big part of that that being able to play together with people i enjoy to hang out with uh, also doing other things so that's one big, big part is community and like being able to play together but at the same time i guess it's just also about like just this you know able to express myself because I just enjoy you know these kind of activities so being able to do something that one is kind of like intrinsically motivated about something that you know is enjoyable and fun to do and where one gets to like you know exercise one one skills and even learn some new things even though I guess like there's not too much learning nowadays I guess like <laughs> com- compared to when I, when I was like younger but like still I think there's always something small that one is like improving on Mm-hmm. makes it interesting yeah yeah mm-hmm. excellent and so your main research you work on various things but meaning in life is one of the big topics that you address and you have this recent book uh, wonderful life insights on finding a meaningful existence and so sport and physical activity are maybe not like the first things that meaning in life researchers discuss but can we make some links and some inroads in terms of how these activities could fit into this bigger picture of what people might find as a meaningful existence yes i think that because in the end i guess like meaningfulness quite that much about connecting with other people and connecting with yourself so even even in the book i'm like going through these four pathways towards more meaningfulness which can like take place in various activities it can take place through work but it can also take place through sports activities so one of them is this exactly this sense of community and like you no know, friendship that i was mentioning which is something that quite many people get from these sports activities that they do that you know one big part even like professional professional kind of like i just i spoke recently with one professional like football player he said that who had just quit quit like quite recently and he said that one thing he is missing is, is the locker rooms you know that locker room is something like special the atmosphere there with the team so that That of course he misses the games themselves, but he also misses the locker rooms, which is more about this sense of community and being together with these people. So that's one factor that probably one one factor that sports have that from which people derive meaning. Now, other other is that then this like this more self-expression, you know, being able to 
do activities that we enjoy doing because human beings are kind of like we are mobile beings we need to do something with our bodies and we enjoy doing certain things with them so finding some activities that one really enjoys doing whether it is football or skiing or whatever sport is one's preferred sport but like you know finding these activities and being able to do them so i think i'm quite sure that for many people their sports related activities are a key part of the meaningfulness of their lives yeah recently sports researchers also talk maybe more and more there is the sustainability issues and what is the future of our planet and then many sport activities you mentioned team sport is kind of your thing but loads of people also in Finland the most popular activities are walking and running and cycling and these things and lots of this walking and running happens in the nature Finland has plenty of forest for everybody so this sense of connectedness also to your environment is something that could be part of it yeah because like it, sports is also one way of like connecting with like your environment so one thing is of course like going to a walk i i live next to a like forest so like it's going ski, skiing there in the winter or, or walking or running there in the summer is something that i enjoy doing but even like urban thing ur- urban places you know skateboarding is an activity that you know one one thing that the people who are engaged in that activity say that you know You, t- you tend to look at the city from a different angle if you if you do that as a skater you like you you see different places that hey that would be like great place to do trick this trick or that place would, would end, allow one one do this kind of thing so i think like sports is also like way of like connecting with one with with the nature around oneself whether it be like you know forests and like nature or, or like some more urban environments yeah i think it's an important point that this connection is not only about this going to this isolated forest in the, but we also seek this connection to our surroundings in these city environments and seeing the popularity of skateboarding and other street sports yeah it adds like a new layer of way, new layer of way of connecting with with one's like immediate environment if one has like sport like that parkour will be like another sport like urban sport like that as well if you if you practice that you also start to look at the, your surroundings in a completely different way mm mm-hmm. Do you have any experience of doing this? No, well? just, <laughs> no, not not too much. So it's just something like I, I know some some friends who have done that who and like told told me that that's their experience. That then you start to look at look at your when you are taking a walk in some city, you're like looking at various places and what what tricks one could be able to do there. Yeah, excellent. And so to move to this air research area of meaning in life, let's focus on this for our first part. And so this has been basically a question for philosophers uh, for centuries before it then quite recently there's been on the last decades there's been also quite a lot of empirical research and psychological research to capture this phenomenon but so it's quite the rich literature base and so I wonder do you have some figures some philosophers who provide kind of a starting point or inspiration for your thinking on these big questions in life yeah i guess there could be several names that i could like name of course like as regards this question a few figures that like have been like influential because they have been like kind of like the pioneers of this around this topic one of them is like you know this thomas carlyle who was this like 19th century british author who wrote this book sartor resartus which is like this which is actually the book where the phrase meaning of life was like first used in the English language. 
1834, that was published. So that was the first time that the phrase meaning of life was used, used in the English language. So I've, I've been studying that book quite carefully because I have, have been wanted to like understand more about why we started to ask this question at this point in history. And another figure from the 19th century is, is Leo Tolstoy, this like Russian author of like, you know, War and Peace and Anna Karenina and, and other, other novels who also have like, he has this like great book, My Confessions, which is like more this autobiographical book about his kind of like this existential crisis that, that he had at one point in his life. So what led him to that crisis, what he experienced during that crisis and how he eventually then like found an answer that was like more satisfactory to him. So Carlyle and Tolstoy are few, few like quite influential figures and some, some, some figures that I like drawn quite much inspiration from. Yeah, then in the 20th century, there's like Sartre and Beauvoir and, and Albert Camus. And they also like, they, I enjoy the fact that they also like, they write more philosophical stuff, but then they also write these novels about the same topic. So reading them, it's, mm-hmm. re- reading them has also been quite a big inspiration. In your book, you tackle also this question that meaning is something that is perhaps more challenging for us to find when we live in this secular age. So... Where we live right now, uh, perhaps these traditional sources of meaning are not given to us. And you mentioned Sartre and de Beauvoir, who are uh, really bringing this question in terms of it's our individual responsibility to ask these questions and then make commitments in this world that is quite uncertain in terms of what is meaningful and what is what is not meaningful for us in our personal life. Yeah, so I guess like it used to be the case that we had like this more ready-made worldview around us. We got it from the tradition, we got it from the religion and so forth. And because of that, it was like easier to figure out like, you know, what is the point of your life? What are you aiming at in life? What makes life valuable? Because there was like this ready framework given to you by the tradition, by your parents and by the society around yourself. But because like in the modern times, this religion has like lost its, lost quite much of its influence on people's life choices. And because like there's more emphasis on kind of you know authenticity and freedom, there's more emphasis on that you should be able to yourself decide what you want to do in life. It's not about like what, the, what your parents want you to, you to do in life, but what you yourself want to do. So this has like this has kind of like liberated us to be more free in choosing what are the values that we want to pursue in life, which is a great thing on the one hand because like then we are a lot more free to choose and we don't have to be feel so oppressed to you know, pursue values that we don't personally endorse. But at the same time, it, it makes it like much, quite much harder, this question. So it's it's kind of like easier to live in a situation where somebody else tells you what's meaningful and then you just to have fulfilled that. But nowadays, we also have to figure ourselves out what are actually the values that we want, want, want to pursue in life. And it's quite often, it's quite hard to figure that out. So because of that, there's also much, much anxiety about around the topic that people are kind of like losing the meaningfulness and because of that then like ha- finding it hard to figure out what they actually what 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 is a good way of living and what they want to do in life so this was actually the case for this Tolstoy and Carlyle as well in the 19th century so both both of them like came from quite religious families but then when they went to the university they encountered this more modern scientific worldview and actually lost their faith at that point and be, and this was actually what brought them to this like more this existential crisis and then they were like struggling to figure out where to find meaning. So it's like both of them kind of like represent like 
paradigmatic cases of this existential crisis. But it's something that probably it's like even more prevalent nowadays than it was in the 19th century. So in the 19th century, it was this just this very privileged class who was able to educate themselves, who could actually have these existential crises. But nowadays, this more scientific and less and um, more, more secular worldview has like more permeated our society. So more more people are kind of like struggling to find the meaning to their lives. Hmm. I was going to ask about this, that now we also have empirical studies on on this topic quite a lot as well. So is it the case that more people are searching for this meaning but not finding it? Or are we then finding different types of meaning if this religious framework is no longer something that provides this meaning for many people? I guess that there's also like one distinction to be made like between these people's kind of like conscious search for meaning and then like how much they actually are experiencing meaningfulness in their life. And the latter can be like more like this more affective thing. So sometimes people might be in, even in a situation where they might not be able to explain and they might be like puzzled by the question of meaning of life and where could something like meaning come from. But still, if they're thinking about their own life, they actually feel that, hey, actually it's quite like valuable and worth living and they they don't have like, it's more like an academic question for them. And I think what most research actually shows that like for most people, most of the time, people actually experience their lives as meaningful. So Laura King is one of the key experts on the psychology of meaningfulness. She has like, done like decades of work on the topic. And she and her colleague, Samantha Heiselman, went through the evidence at one point and they concluded that experiencing meaningfulness is a, it's a very common experience. So it's like it's a very it's actually like quite rare that people don't experience their lives as meaningful. And that's that, that's usually like during some crisis or something like that. But for most of the time, we actually already feel that our lives are quite meaningful. And this meaningfulness comes usually from quite small and ordinary experiences, having having few friends or having a family or, you know, being able to do something interesting at work and having these small, nice encounters during one's everyday life. Usually these small things are able to make people's life already quite meaningful so that they experience quite much meaningfulness, whether or not they're then able to, you know, consciously explain where this meaningfulness comes from. Mm-hmm. This poses like the big challenging question for researchers that on the other hand people might have this lived experience that there is this meaningfulness that runs through in their life but when you start asking them about this meaningfulness it's very difficult to put it into words are there some discussions on this or kind of some good how can you work with this dilemma to kind of try to get into your a research question if it's something that is so difficult for people for many people to talk about yeah i guess like that's what something that actually in my book i try to i try to do that, that i try to go through this like these hard existential questions but so show that like no matter what what our answer to them and them is we can still like enjoy this like this more everyday sense of meaningfulness that we can experience so and i heard like one feedback that I've been getting from the book is actually that, you know, people have been like relieved to hear that, you know, that they, they, the meaningfulness that they experience in their life is like kind of like enough. They, they don't have to have, live the same kind of life as Nelson Mandela. They don't have to suffer 20 years in jail to like fight for the freedom of the people and to help the transition the country from apartheid government to democracy without falling into civil war in order to experience meaningfulness. So the er- everyday meaningfulness that they already have is enough for most of us. So that's one of the messages in the book. And I, I think that some people have like found that like quite helpful to hear 
that it's it's kind of like enough and so in that sense i guess like the psychological research usually in in that sense they take the people's meaningfulness evaluations at face value so if people say that you know i, I experienced my life as meaningful then that's like enough then they kind of like believe people in, on that and don't try to challenge that yeah what an interesting reflection that in some sense we live in a bit of an achievement society so good career good job all these things but then people might feel a sense that i should live a more meaningful life and somehow i've failed to live a meaningful enough life so it's quite interesting to hear this reflection from people who read your book yeah our society is quite like project oriented so we tend to make everything into a project so whether it's about like happiness so if we start to think about happiness then we suddenly make it into a big project that I should like maximize my own happiness. But the same can happen with meaningfulness. I feel that you know, it's good for people to be reflective of their own selves and their own, own interests and be reflective of whether they are happy or whether they, whether they experience meaningfulness. So not thinking about that at all, at all is not a good thing. It's good to be aware of these things. But at the same time, you know, focusing too much on, on one's own happiness or focusing too much on one's own meaningfulness can be actually counterproductive. Because then you are not able to enjoy the life as it, as it's lived, because you're all the time, you know, planning and thinking how to maximize the meaningfulness or maximize the happiness in the future, and because of that, the life itself like goes by while you're just fixated on the project in hand. So in that sense, people should be like, you know, remember remember to think about their meaningfulness and think about their happiness to some degree, but at the same time, they should like just remember like let it go and just yeah let the life flow as it goes you mentioned two important con- concepts or which could be projects as well so this pursuit of happiness and pursuit of meaning and in your book you've asked the question whether happiness is a worthy goal and at the same time we both come from finland and finland is one of these countries that is ranking high in this world happiness surveys so maybe we can make a little distinctions between this happiness and meaning when they go hand in hand and whether they actually in some respects are different things yeah they, so they of course like they probably go hand in hand quite often so quite often meaningful events are also like events where from which we derive happiness but on the other hand like especially when you think about you know some sad events they can be highly meaningful while they're not happy events going to some funeral for example would be a thing that you know People might experience it as a highly meaningful event, but at the same time, not many would say that, yeah, it was a very happy event. Mm. So there are like meaningfulness in that sense. It covers also events where that even though quite many mean, meaningful events are also happy events, having a birthday party with your close friends or stuff like that, then the, both of them might be present. But sometimes situations can be like meaningful, while, even though they are not happy events at all. Mm-hmm. And would you say that... For people, it's good to strive for both things in their lives. Yeah, so as I, said, I think like it's striving for both of them mod- in moderate amounts is good for people. It's it's not good like to sacrifice your life to some just trying to achieve some goals set by some external parties, trying to look good in the eyes of your parents or look good in the eyes of your friends. That probably is not not a good thing. So in that sense, it's good to like think about also what what I want to do myself in my life and what would make myself happy. What would I think? What would what would I find meaningful? But as I said, like if one overthinks that, if one if one like tries to maximize too too much these things, then it can be like counterproductive. 
and actually lead to a hard time to experience happiness because one is all the time kind of like dissatisfied with whatever happens with life because one is thinking that it, even though it made one happy, it didn't make one, one happy enough. One would like to have like maximized it even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your book, you have written to a more general audience, to a broader audience. So it's a more popular book. But at the same time, you worked with these questions as a philosopher and as a researcher for for a very long time. And so then you wanted to also bring into these more concrete insights or messages that people can take from from reading your book. So it would be nice to explore those a little bit. So in the book, I guess, like, I offer these four pathways to more meaningful existence. And I think I briefly mentioned them already, but like two of them are about like connecting with other people. So I think like big part of meaningfulness that we human beings, we we are not like islands, but we are like all the time connected to other people and quite big part of the meaningfulness that we experience, we derive from being, being able to be together with others. So the sense of community and friendship is one key source of meaningfulness. That when when people are asked, like, so what makes your life meaningful? Then most people start to think about, you know, their close friends or their family and those situations when they think about key sources of meaningfulness. And then the other way of, like, connecting with other people is through contributing, being able to do something good for other people. So that's also something that clearly seems seems to be, like, based on research, clearly seems to be improving our sense of meaningfulness. So if I'm able to do something good for other people, I tend to feel that that makes my own life more meaningful. So connecting with others through kind of like this community and contribution. So those are like two first two two elements of meaningful living. But then the two other elements are more about you know connecting with oneself, because our life is not only about others but it's also about ourselves. So in that sense, it's important to emphasize this role of autonomy, which is about being able to make volitional choices in life, live, live the kind of life that you want to live instead of being like forced to make choices that one, that one doesn't want to do, being con- very much controlled in life. That's kind of the opposite of this sense of autonomy. As regards autonomy, it's important to like know what you want in life, like know your interests, know your values, and then trying to figure out what are the context, what are the situations, workplaces, or other, other contexts where you are able to express your interest and pursue them. So autonomy is the third element. And then the fourth element is, is the sense of competence and mastery. So feeling that you're able to you know use your own talents, use your own knowledge, use your own skills in various projects and learn and grow, grow through through these activities. So learning and growing is also something that quite often gives us a sense of meaningfulness. And this can apply to sports, but it can also apply to like workplace. So one key experience that we want to want, want to have is that you know we are learning and growing and getting better at something. So those are basically the four elements that I suggest in the book that are key elements of like or key pathways to meaningful living. Yeah. And what are your thoughts in terms of balance between these four pathways that you might see that some people dedicate their lives to their relationships or perhaps family at the expense of, for example, developing their own talents and so on. And on the other hand, some athletes have told me that Playing sport and developing themselves has been something that is important for them. But then at the same time, a few said that they felt that being an athlete is kind of selfish because all of your energy and all of your interest is just focused on you getting better in your sport the next day. And then you're not able to, 
for example, go to your friend's birthday, which could be a source of both happiness and meaning, but you have a training camp or competition or whatever. So when is it important to have this balance or what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think like too one-sided living is not not too good for people. So like not just focusing on other people and like sacrificing yourself and forgetting about your own interests. So that's like, that's not good. Some people fall into that trap. So they, they all the time like listening to what other people desire from them and like making sure that other people are able to express themselves, but like forgetting themselves completely, you know, sacrificing themselves for the or their workplace or for their family or some some other some or their spouses but then on the other hand it's true that also like just balance just focusing on yourself and forgetting about these like other people is not good either and i guess like it might be true that especially for like professional sports people the latter might be the more some something that take, takes place that because they have to dedicate so much time so much energy to their like sports in order to be best in that then they might have to like neglect quite much moments where they could ha- have this sense of meaningfulness and sense of commu- con- connection with their family or with their friends. So that's probably something that they are more struggling with on average. Yeah, it is quite interesting that now in the last few years, some researchers have focused on this phenomenon of athlete activism. So actually athletes are using their visibility to talk about social justice or human rights or these things that they care about. And in this sense, doing sport which for some could be just focused on yourself, is actually a means of contributing to something good in the society. So people still find ways to pursue these different sort of types of meaning through their what they do. Yeah, and it's a good point because like when we think about these four elements, this autonomy, competence, community and contribution, so it might be true that you know this that autonomy and competence are probably quite like like naturally present in that so like if you're a professional sports person you probably if, if you don't enjoy doing that sport you wouldn't be like professional in that because like that would be like totally crazy to spend your whole life doing something that you don't enjoy doing so probably the sense of autonomy is quite high and if you're able to be a professional in that then the sense of competence is prone to be quite high as well and quite often there's this team around you like if, even if you're in a solo sport there's going to be this coach and other people around you so community is also something that you get quite naturally. So this contribution might be the element that the sports people have like more search for and think about how they can like turn their turn their platform or turn them their sports career into, into something that contributes. So it can be that they're like role models for kids or something like that, but it when also this activism might be like one way of doing that. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's true that that's probably the of these four elements, that's the one that one has the most think about consciously because the others comes more naturally in that kind of career yeah and i think as a future research project it would be quite exciting to empirically also explore how these four elements interact in in athletes lives and how they're able to realize these these dimensions in what they do yeah yeah that would be actually something that probably would be like interesting because these basic needs i think they have been like explored in in many contexts but probably in, in the sport, even in the field of professional sports, there's more to do as regards them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for the conversations. Quite exciting new ideas coming up <laughs> all, already. So let's have a tiny break. And then in the second part, we'll focus on your work in relation to this meaning in work and meaningful work. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.